0: And she thought Max and I were lovers.
1: She did, yeah. At first, yeah.
0: Was it because we were bickering or because we showed up in the same car or because I yelled at him when he spilled beer on my seat or because he wanted to sleep in my tent and I wouldn't let him? We. so this is, see, this is to me the best kind of podcast because we ignore everyone who's listening to us and focus on our own problems, fears, and anxieties. And we're learning something about our friendship. This is fascinating.
1: Good day to you, podcast listeners. Welcome to Landline. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. The numbers are growing, and it's thanks to you. As we always say, best way you can help the podcast is to tell a friend, send them to SoundCloud or iTunes to the Landline podcast page, or send them to talkforaliving.com. Hey we need some calls out there folks we're ready. we're ready to take calls We're approaching our 50th episode And we're ready to get the calls going So leave us a message on the landline 617-744-1895 Or send in some questions At our email address Which is landlinepodcast At gmail.com Today on the show Saul versus Alex Chat a little bit about Orlando Talk about how gay clubs Are really the most joyous place On the face of the earth and then digress into a little bit of conversation about Saul's dating life and our friendship at the dinner table. So enjoy the show. Enjoy the week. Enjoy the weather. Enjoy the summer. It's good to be alive. It's good to be on Earth. Put your phone away once you're done listening to the podcast. Ride a bike. Make some rhubarb compote. Go for a kayak. Landline podcast.
0: Hello? Landline. Landline? I thought I did the calling.
1: Well, I switched it up. I've I've got a case of the Sundays, and I want things to be different.
0: All right. Well, I'm mixing a martini and bumbling around, so I'm happy to talk.
1: I'm emotional. It's Sunday night, and I'm emotional. And I don't mean emotional like angry, and I'm going to go off for 45 minutes about how Gawker is officially bankrupt. Um,
0: Gawker's bankrupt. It's gone.
1: Well, it's not gone. I think they're doing it for legal reasons. I think it's a savvy legal move. That's what you do, right? That's the way you avoid paying your legal debts is by going bankrupt. Um,
0: Right. But still, at the end of the day, they've been sued into bankruptcy by this unlikely tag team of a giant blonde Florida wrestler and a Silicon
1: Valley billionaire. It's crazy. But I'm not going to go there. Because I I just spent I don't know when the last time you did this, but I just spent like twenty five minutes on the couch just sort of crying. Not like tears streaming down, but like where you're just your eyes are perpetually watering.
0: But were you crying with allergies or with fear?
1: (laughs) No, it's just sort of like a general It's one of those sadnesses that you get when you think about how good the world is. I don't know if you can relate to that, but, um... Well, I
0: mean, I've been watching headlines about 50 people murdered in a nightclub, so I wasn't really crying with happiness about how kind everyone is.
1: Well, I mean, so what I did is, I was at home, I was at our hometown this weekend, and I came back today, and I just caught a headline of the nightclub thing, um... This morning, but didn't really pay attention. And then I just rogered the radio the entire way home, the two and a half hour drive. And I just heard like the live special broadcast. And it really, um, you know, obviously sh- sh- uh, the spotlight was well on the facts and I couldn't avoid them. And then I got home and kept on listening as I went and did some errands and did some work in the car. And then I watched the opening of the Tony's um wow quick side note how do you feel about james Corden? do you know who i
0: really don't have much of an opinion
1: okay well I know, I know that's
0: bad to say on a podcast but it's it's
1: pretty true no well, i i know nothing of him except that those clips of the like car karaoke that he does with stars and that's more than I know. I, I'm one who fights hard against memes. Like I, I pride myself in not knowing what everyone saw on the internet. Um, yeah. And yet these things I find have this like really solid, authentic uh, connection with everyone. We've all like sung songs on the top at the top of our lungs as we drive around in the car. So he gets the people who actually write the songs to ride around with with him in the car and sing them off the CD. I think it's brilliant. All right, I'm with you. And he's a great singer, and apparently I found out tonight that he started on Broadway. Anyways, he gave this, like, heartfelt um, little thing about how, obviously, the Tonys stand with all the people who are affected by the horrible stuff that happened and how Broadway is really a place where everyone is accepted. And then the, like first several musical numbers came on and it was just sort of this like weird thing of it's the worst mass shooting in american history and yet there's so much like good stuff going on in the world and to me broadway is a very like gay place in in the best way possible like there's a lot of like gay people who have found their home in theater right it's like for as long as
0: I don't think you're breaking news here.
1: Yeah, no, I know. But it's like, as long, for as long as there's been uh, me making observations, there have been gay people who have been happy performing in theater settings. And um, so I think that it's like super ironic that the Tonys are the night of this horrific you know, mass murder that's the worst in American history, but also is, was in a gay club. And I guess what like makes me so sad is, I would argue that a gay club in Orlando at two in the morning is literally the most joyful place on the face of the planet
0: i I'm not gonna argue with you on that I
1: one. mean, how fun was that scene there before this shithead came in with the machine gun like according to
0: all the accounts, they were having a fantastic time
1: and like there's just nothing like. Not that I've spent a lot of time in gay clubs, but, you know, anytime I have been in a majority gay environment, it's like the only thing I feel is intimidation because I just like I couldn't ever figure out how to have that much fun.
0: It's a very, it's a very cheerful vibe. You you don't get mean looks. You don't get people arguing because they spilled beer on each other. You don't get people like Max.
1: (laughs) Except I talked to Max and I tried to get, he was the only person who was around, so my wife's in Europe, I'm home alone, it's this, It's Sunday, I feel lethargic from the Chinese food I ate, I've got a case of the Sundays, yeah. and I'm sad about the fact that this like incredibly joyful time was ruined by a complete shithead, and then Max calls, and I try to get him to empathize, and he says something to the effect of, Well, we're four or five miles from like a complete abyss of like ice cold asteroids or something like that. So does anything matter at all? I mean, he put it a lot more poetically than that. Um, But he actually reminded me that he works. He worked at the gay night in college as a bouncer. I didn't know that. And he told a specific story, which I should just have him tell, where he was bouncing and it was 2 in the morning and the DJ was like, that's it, no more song. And all of the gay guys in Chapel Hill, North Carolina chanted one more song until the DJ DJ was like, fine, fuck it, and just blasted Miley Cyrus party in the USA. And Max said that there'd never been a bigger eruption of happiness that he'd ever seen in his life. (laughs)
0: That's a good story, and it illustrates the point you're making as well as the one Max is making, if he was making a point.
1: But seriously, Saul, I mean, how many times have we been jealous of, like, the gays and how great they are at partying, flirting, hooking up? I mean, I it's going to sound like I wish I was gay, but I am sort of disappointed that I was so boring that I didn't even, like, go gay at one point in my life.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, one, one could at least... Uh, Find optimism in the fact that there's plenty of road ahead for you if you ever, if you ever need to change that badly. But um, yeah, I, look, it's, I, I think one of the sad things about this shooting, or you know, the Paris nightclub shooting, or something like that, is it, it seems especially shitty to have a bunch of people murdered um, when they're having a really good, joyful time. There's there's something especially sad, maybe, about people this this happening when they're being joyful and celebrating and having fun,
1: so there's gonna be now three weeks of arguments that we all know are coming gun control islamophobia, you know this that the other thing. are we at a point now where if you go on a message board and look up something for for like a militant group and then go to the like I, I want to, like, call this shooter out and say, no, you're not part of ISIS. Like, you you know, now the reports are coming out that he said, like, uh, that he was, he called 911 and said he was doing this for ISIS. And he, like, mentioned the marathon bombers and all this stuff. Right. So, like, if you read Mein Kampf, but you live in, like, you know, the northern woods of Michigan, and then you, like, are a skinhead and you go and do something anti-Semitic, you're not really a nazi right i mean it's it's like 65 years later and you you don't you you didn't do anything you didn't earn it you didn't earn you didn't like you know you didn't live in german society in the 30s coming out of hyperinflation you're just i i,
0: I agree i agree with you and i think that's a i i see the point you're making but i think you could also argue that nazism was really at roots ideological as much as it was political or historical or anything else, and so in some ways if you if if Hitler inspires you to go you know shoot a Jewish person a hundred years after Hitler's been dead maybe maybe that's still sort
1: of maybe you can draw that connection well, once again, the internet like If this guy had to send a bunch of chain letters back and forth to Syria over the last six months, I'm not sure he would have gotten to this point.
0: Yeah, I think you can definitely argue that if the Internet didn't exist, this guy would probably just continue to be like a shitty uh, court security officer who's no fun to be around, according to his ex-wife.
1: So, I don't know. I mean, I I know that people are going to start to think I'm a conspiracy theorist or not even, that I'm just an idiot. But it just becomes like if we lined up in one column all of the things the internet helps us do, like FaceTime each other from different continents and, like, how much actual value that brings us versus all the incredible danger it can bring by, like, uniting all of these crazy people – who in another time period wouldn't have any way of – they would just basically be like deranged losers on street corners complaining about how gay people are ruining the world. Now they have the ability to like all communicate with each other, all figure out a plan with each other, all be inspired by like the hideous things that they're doing. You know, as soon as that guy did that, there's probably a cell phone video that like crazy motherfuckers in Syria are watching – um, oh, absolutely. And absolutely. like and then not to mention the fact that they can like, you know, order guns off the internet and order shit to make pipe bombs off the internet and I don't know. There's not a lot of like community activity going on where you have to go man to man or person to person and like actually do the work. Not and also let's talk about the technology of the machine gun. I mean, one of my great ideas that I'll never execute cuz that's my calling card. Is doing a, a video where on one side you have like oh I know this idea this is a good idea so you make Go a, ahead. you make a YouTube video here this is Saul, this can be the first um, example of our our new uh, section on the show which is called the uh, excavator the business the en- excavator the business is this a excavator good time to explain The Excavator? yeah let's quickly and I, before you do this because we're starting to get into like a this is a fun topic thing. To establish this this to everyone, horrible day, super sad for me. Um, I've ignored a lot of mass shootings over the last six months, and I did not ignore this one. And once again, I just don't see how... It's like, you could go to a lot of places and feel like the people were doing something that you could argue with, not to the point where you'd shoot. I'm telling you, if you go into a gay bar on a Saturday night, it is just like nothing but fun. So... Anyways, The Excavator, I leave it to you. All
0: right, well, essentially, we're very proud of the fact that um, over the course of our lives, we've come up with great ideas that we think are more clever and successful than pretty much anything already out there. And we like the fact that we can talk about how all of these opportunities would essentially have made us millionaires. And the only reason they didn't was not for the quality of the idea, but for the fact that we never act on anything. So basically, we, that, that, that's I think our mentality. So, so for the excavator, uh, our, our theory is basically instead of having an incubator where we try to buy shares in other people's ideas and then profit off them, uh, we want to crowdsource our own intellectual energy for free to the entire world to our beloved podcast listeners, and offer once a week to share one of our genius ideas with them so that they can act on it, even if we don't. Does that sum it up?
1: Yeah, that's great. And then, of course, the the ultimate plan for us is we're going to end up suing you once you you go public, and we'll end up getting at least a a couple hundred grand. We'll net a couple hundred grand each. So it's kind of like we're the patent trolls of ideas.
0: Right. So go, that, go act on go act on this. Work hard, become wealthy, and then expect us to leech right off.
1: Yeah. Okay. So this this specific uh, excavator idea that we'll excavate right here is um, well put for our friend Gabe, a professional television and film producer. Um, would be great for. The guys who made that Chipotle video that was animated about factory farms and went from, like, a happy pig to, like, a horrible industrial pig and then back to a happy pig again. Um, Also, the street artist who did the Obama posters. This would be good for you if you're listening. So this idea is to basically make a YouTube video that goes viral on one of your websites that I don't go to. And you compare a uh, musket man from the time that the right to bear arms was written into the constitution which was probably in any sometime in the 1780s right i mean the the constitution was passed i think in 1791 um and the revolutionary wars started in 1776 so i would say the late 1780s and then next to it you have somebody with an ar-15 and you basically compare how many bullets the ar-15 can get off while the guy who's dressed in period clothing with a period musket can fire and then reload and fire again and that should just be a great illustration to everyone as to why the right to bear arms is no longer like the same thing as it used to be and that it shouldn't be a crazy conversation to have over whether or not we really need assault weapons um, to be legal
0: the funny thing is, is the founders, I mean, at at that point in time, you could not, you could not commit a gun massacre. Because maybe you could get one or two people and then while you were reloading, someone else would get you.
1: So I don't know, I mean, yeah, so obviously I will have the discussion on another podcast um, about, how people need guns in order to protect from a government that um, abuses their powers because I believe that that can be a real threat but I think in this specific case being able to just like buy an AR-15 is, I don't know I mean there's got to be like an asshole test you can do or something like that because it feels like the only people in the world who get this gun are fucking idiots well I mean it's
0: it's not just that I, I also think that and I, I agree, I, I think that Second Amendment being what it is, fine, but there's a certain argument to be made that civilians should not be able to buy a gun with a 30-round magazine that can kill 30 people in under 30 seconds. But the interesting thing is this guy was the subject of two FBI investigations. Uh, His ex-wife divorced him for domestic violence after four months. Uh, his coworkers had reported him to the FBI multiple occasions uh, for making terrorist and aggressive claims. And he'd met with at least one suicide bomber. And you have all of these facts in place, and he can still walk into a store and walk out with a semi automatic machine gun in less than 10 minutes. Something seems weird about that.
1: Yeah, a lot seems weird and we could do this at ad nauseum and people are going to end up getting sick of hearing it from everybody this week. But I will say this to you, Saul. Let's put this whole situation before the shooting in another time period. Like, let's put it in the Old West. Let's put it in Deadwood. This guy's a little bit, you know, he maybe drinks too much, never pays his debts after losing at Cards. Ends up marrying someone from out of town when she comes passing through and he, like, convinces her in one drunken night that they should get married. Because this guy in real life, like, ended up meeting this woman online and they were married, like, very soon afterwards. And their, and their marriage lasted no time. Right. He, he ends up abusing his wife in this, in this frontier town. Everybody catches catch wind of it. Everyone knows he's a complete scumbag he's clearly whether it's he's an alcoholic or he's depressed or he's got personality disorder or something what then happens in that town because i feel like this guy's going to have to face people at the hardware store at the general you know the uh, the mercantile where he's got his like store credit wherever the the person who's shoeing his horse and he's going to get called out for his behavior and he's going to have to go face to face with other people that he's forced to rely on in order to survive and he's going to have to basically hear their point of view on him. In this case, he can just go back to whatever condo he lives in in some shitty Florida suburb and like just live on the Internet until he goes to a gun store and then fucking fires at a bunch of gay people having a great time.
0: Yeah, I'm starting to see where you're going with this. It's just
1: I, I just there's no more. You can you're can. saying that community has been
0: destroyed.
1: Yeah. And it's not just the internet. I'm not just saying that. I want to say in general, why shouldn't... Okay, you asked a really valuable question. How did this guy get the gun in 10 minutes in the store? That's a question everyone in the media is going to be asking. Let's ask this question. How did no one slap this guy in the face and tell him to get his act together? Like his father or his sister or like a buddy you went to high school with or an employer. Like... These people, like, seem to just not get any... Nobody tells anyone that they're acting inappropriately anymore. Well, presumably
0: they did. Uh, And then, in his wife's case, he slapped her back. And in his employer's case, they reported him to the National Law Enforcement Agency that's supposed to
1: do something about that. Yeah, but it's... I mean, okay, that's fair. but, But we don't want the FBI putting everyone in jail that could potentially be harmful, right? I mean... There has to be some sort of civil or civil liberties. Otherwise, it's not... Like, unfortunately, I think our society has decided subconsciously we'd rather have civil liberties and shootings than the other way around.
0: Well, no, of course. Of course we've decided that. But I say, Yeah, I think in a perfect world, when he went into the buy that gun, that somewhere in some FBI office, a computer would pop up and it would be saying a person who's been investigated twice for aggressive violent terrorism claims, is now trying to buy an assault rifle should someone maybe
1: go have a chat with him? Well, listen, let's, let's, get, let's go away from national news, but why don't you give, a, give us a window on what you have going on in your personal life right now, vis-a-vis um, the pack, the move, the cat, the martini.
0: All right. Oh, well, look, here's the thing. At, at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning, I was supposed to hand over my keys to a subletter that I found, sublet my apartment for the summer, and drive to the East Coast. Um, today, I was supposed to pack and drop off my cat in San Francisco to spend the summer there since the cat hates being in cars and obviously would drive me insane if I tried to take her across country. The martini... Which I'm drinking as we speak and probably mixing another right after this one is basically a byproduct of the fact that I didn't do the things I was supposed to do. And now I'm still not packed. The cat's sitting here watching me at this very moment. And I called the subletter and asked if he could come in Tuesday instead of Monday, which isn't great for him either, ironically, because the whole reason he needs to sublet my place is because. He and his fiance have split up, and the home life is a little frosty.
1: Right after moving across the country, we've heard in previous calls. Yeah, from Boston to, uh, to East Bay, exactly. All right, well, there's a lot to unpack here.
0: Um, a lot. And speaking of unpacking, let's focus on the pack.
1: Well, do you want to just get right into your shopping addiction? Because it feels like you've got some things to get off your chest in that department. You called me earlier this week. You were were, uh, adorned in a double-breasted white jacket, um, which to me sounded like cocktail attire. Would I have that right?
0: Absolutely. Summer cocktail attire, not to be worn, except between the period of time going from Memorial Day to Labor Day. Um,
1: You know, would have done very well in Nantucket at Fourth of July or um, Miami if you weren't boycotting Florida due to recent events or – some sort of, you know, boat-themed party. I'm, I mean, I'm sure you could come up with hundreds of ways to wear it. So, uh, I
0: did, all, all before purchasing it
1: in my life. So you bought it, and then you were going to return it because that's something you do. You return clothes. It's like one of these weird things. I mean, the well, weird... Well,
0: I don't, I don't usually... Well, okay, there's... Okay, there's... If, 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 if we need to give people context here, I return clothes under under certain circumstances. This, if I'm if I'm traveling and I don't have the clothes that I want to be wearing at that moment, I'd buy clothes and then return them. Just for example, when I, I drove to Oregon and I thought I was going to be staying, you know, in uh, campgrounds and motel sixes. So I was in one set of attire and then I ended up in Portland and decided I wasn't fashionable enough. So I walked into Nordstrom and I, you know, spent about a grand on, you know, on a wardrobe for Saturday night. And then return that in California to Nordstrom the following week. But I just I consider that very practical, essentially.
1: Well, I do like how you're gaming the system. I do like how you're taking this like global supply chain and like just sticking it straight up the corporate executives' ass. Uh, well,
0: exactly. And and one day when I write or publish the book I'm working on, which is how to screw the corporations that are screwing you, <laughs> the the Nordstrom chapter will be featured prominently. I promise.
1: Now, of course, for me, I'd have like a huge mental breakdown about how much carbon footprint had gone through getting the clothes to its original point of sale, only to then have it like probably get returned all the way back to the factory in Vietnam, or someone's being whipped while they have to sew. Um, but that's not who you are, so let's keep As, it-
0: as you know, Alex, I've, I've had many mental breakdowns, and I'll have many more, and there'll be a staggering array of topics from A to Z, but... That particular breakdown, I will never suffer.
1: So so you were telling me, though, that you have too many clothes. So it's like, can we, can we really get into, like, I guess, who you are and who you want to be when it comes well, to your okay, clothing? Just to
0: finish the white, so just to finish the white jacket story, because this is kind of funny. So I, I finally, I talked to you, and we agreed that the fiscally responsible thing would be for me to return it. And to bring it back, which I don't usually do, like I was saying. But I, I decided in this case, I'd take your advice and, as you put it, take the money that you get, that you spent on it, and tuck it away into a savings account for a rainy day. So,
1: Which I knew you'd never anyway, do, but...
0: Well, no, so I, I did that. I mean, I didn't, but I, I did that in my mind. But I returned the jacket. Uh, but then two days later, in San Francisco, I bought... A gray three-piece suit for over quadruple the price I had paid for the jacket that I was proud of myself to
1: return it. And how, and like, how many suits do you have right now?
0: I I can't. I'm, I'm trying to count them because I've been trying to fill my car with clothes because the subletter obviously is entitled to like you know the the closet that I told him he could have as part of the apartment. Um. There's there's too many to, there's too many to count, but to put it this way, I could easily wear one suit every day for a month and not need to recycle suits. And that and just to be clear, that's not counting sport codes.
1: Well, okay, so I think that there's a lot here. First of all, you are crazy, but you might be completely but you might be beating yourself up like without getting into specifics, you make a good amount of money you've, you earn that money. Like you've, you've found a, a, an activity, uh, to do with your time where you're compensated handsomely. And I would say you, you work smart. Um, you work hard as well, but you work smart in the sense that you're, you're not, you're not like a, uh, you know, Morgan Stanley, um, like, you know, not even a VP, but someone below that who, who gets a week and a half of vacation a year and like hates their family. Like you have plenty of time to leisure, um, right. I'm, I mean,
0: not, I'm not jumping off balconies because I work 100 hours a week.
1: Right. And um, so, and you, I think that there's something uh, quite attractive about the fact that you like to dress well. I mean, you're the best dressed friend we have, I would say. Now, sometimes people might say you. you are a little bit out of place with your outfit, but that's only because you are sort of. You're more for you're, you. If anything, you're too dressy. You dress. You 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 know. You're you're over formal in some in some scenarios. Well, a, lo-
0: a long time ago, I decided that in any particular occasion, I wanted to be the most overdressed person in that particular room, and I've tried to stick to that.
1: And you don't subscribe to this like new age bullshit about how. You know, there was an NPR story about how when you go to a meeting in Hollywood now, the people who are making the most money and making the decisions are the ones in t-shirts and jeans and the ones who work for them are the ones in the suits. You don't you don't you hate that. Um you hate that like I hate um you know um Korean tacos. You just don't believe in it and you never will. Um Exactly. Although just to be clear to our listeners, I love Korean tacos. <laughs> so I guess my question is Why are you punishing yourself for acting like this? Like Some of it has to do with the amount of money you think that you're spending that you should be saving, but you haven't really shown that you're very good at that. Um, I mean, another way of doing it that my wife is really good at at least talking about, I don't think she's done it yet because we don't have any money, but could you, instead of buying 10 mediocre uh you know asian produced not that they're mediocre as in, they don't look good but like could you buy one ten thousand dollar suit that you wear all month long instead of thirty thousand dollar thirty three hundred and fifty dollar suits could that be a different way to do it like some sort of well no s- you're
0: Alex I mean that's that's fucking defamation I wear Armani you know that all right I'm not, but- I'm not, I'm not walking around in in any, anyway, I, I hope you take that back.
1: Okay, I take it back. I know you're not wearing shitty suits from Men's Warehouse, but is there another echelon you could go where it's like, you know, the writer, the, the like, what would Dust I I, I,
0: understand, I understand your wife's argument because someone smarter than both of us might have been Mark Bittman, but he made the point about eating red meat, which is instead of buying shitty red meat five times a week from Safeway, bottom of the barrel buy a really great steak once a week and spend more on it and just eat less red meat and end up spending the same
1: yeah and feel better and have a better colon and all that but yeah i mean you could go like we should what we should do so now i'm good at spreadsheets now that i have seventy seven thousand dollars in debt um at babson thank you very much we can make a nice (laughs) spreadsheet where you could pay for both of us to go to scotland we could go to some incredible, you know, sheep farm, wool farm, whatever they call it, and you could get bespoke hand-spun woolen suits for all of those foggy days in the bay area and maybe you'd get 3 of them and that and you could replace your entire suit lineup.
0: Well, I no one's talking about replacing, it's more adding to, it. but somehow we've turned a conversation about my my shopping addiction into a way for me to fly internationally to shop more. And I like it. <laughs> well what do you And want- a way for me to buy you a ticket to Scotland, which I'd probably do at this point, just to hang out.
1: It's my homeland. Um okay, well what are you know, as as you know, you have a couple friends who have heard you on your shopping addiction. How do you want us to help you? Well, this sounds crazy, but what if
0: Online, on a podcast, we just made me a budget, and I had to stick to it for at least two days.
1: That sounds great. Let's try. How about for a week?
0: Yeah, I mean, we, we could literally make me a budget. I'm not going to count any of the, the necessaries. You know, I, my rent's too high. I accept that. Um, I spend too much money at Whole Foods. I understand that. Uh, I spend money for an expensive yoga studio and for all the premium channels on Comcast. And I'm going to lump those, all those things under the label of necessities in life. But somewhere buried deep below that layer is a sub-layer of what we can call the non-necessities. And I'm willing to accept that, generally speaking, Barney's is part of that category.
1: Well, look, we could have a nice—this That this is going to be something we do next podcast. This is something all our listeners can— look forward to. Um, We're trying to keep it tight. We know that the hour and 27, 47, 97-minute podcasts are a little um, much to swallow. But I think that the next podcast, we'll go over a budget. We'll come up with some phony numbers. like We'll say you make $100,000 a year just so it's a nice round number. And then we'll go through and talk about percentages and whatever it is that you uh, pay and all these rents, etc. That's fine. No, you know the first the first step to creating a budget with someone you love is to say there's no judgment. Let's let's talk. Let's let's get real numbers. But well,
0: we only judge each other. That's all we do. Yeah, so but we, we got to be friends. You got to
1: be honest. You have to be honest with your financial advisors about what you're actually spending. Otherwise, you're going to end up. But weak. I
0: don't know. That's the, that's the whole point. Because I don't have a budget. I just spend.
1: Well, now, how do you feel about cash? Like, what if you took out a certain number, a certain amount of cash every Monday morning, and that was all the money you got for the week?
0: Yeah, that's very interesting. I've heard financial planners advocate for for that approach. I I trick myself. I tell myself that I want the credit card points. Um, Andy, you know, use the Platinum card that I pay five hundred dollars a year for, but. Um, but I'd be willing to accept the fact that maybe cash is king and I should just do that every
1: week. Well, whatever. There's, some, there's definitely some technology out there to help you if you want to use cards, like I know Mint.com and things like that. Like, it might just be that you need to have like a, a nightly check-in of what you spent and how much you have left. The cash is merely just a piece of paper to show you how much you've gone through. So if you want to stick to it, the question is, are you willing to stick to the budget? Are you, do you want to be in a budget situation?
0: I think I do. I mean, look, the whole point, Alice, is that I've never liked people telling me what to do. And to me, a budget is just a giant shadowy figure telling you what to do and getting angry at you when you don't do it. But I'm willing to accept that maybe given the state of things, I need to just surrender some of my autonomy.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I know how you feel. I think, that, I think that maybe a budget would
0: be good so I can understand that I cannot go to restaurants five nights a week and I cannot get like the three appetizers and the an entree and the cocktail and the glass of wine and the after dinner cognac and then the after dinner cigar <laughs> each time I go to dinner. Well, you know. And that I, maybe that I can't be wearing. Uh, a white double-breasted smoking jacket while I'm doing all
1: those things. You know, you can lose weight, which is interesting. I can't lose weight. I have been 15 pounds overweight for 22 years. As long years. as I've known you. Yeah, 22 years.
0: Let's, yeah, Let's absolutely. say
1: longer than you've known me. And I just, That's I mean, true. I can, I can do a lot. I can accomplish a lot. I mean, I've started several businesses. I've... I knock on people's houses. I knock on people's doors um, in big houses and ask them if I can rent land behind their house for dogs to run around on. Um, you know, you've seen me go talk to people in situations where other people won't. So there's a lot I can accomplish. I simply cannot lose weight, although yeah. I'm, although I'm trying again. You can lose weight. You've lost weight a lot. In fact, I would say that you tend to balloon both in and out depending on the. Uh, specific, I guess, you know, um, I don't know, what is it? Is it a moon cycle or just your the, whatever you're hoping to accomplish? Hold
0: oh, on, I'm, I'm a creature of extremes. I, I don't like to do things by halves. If so, I'm, I'm going to eat a lot, I'm going to eat more than anyone else at the table, and then I'm going to order an additional dish for the table, and then I'm going to have the bottle of wine that I'm not supposed to order, and I'm going to get it. <laughs> and then when I want to lose weight, I drop every vice I have, and I torture myself, and I do double-ended workouts, dawn and evening, and at midnight, I go for runs in the parking lot, even if it's pitch black, and I lose astonishing amounts of weight very fast, and then I stay in shape for a few years, and then have to do it again.
1: And you end up, like, during that weight loss period, like, not talking to anyone, you quit drinking, you, like, tell, you basically, like, draw a line in the sand and kind of say subconsciously that you don't want to be friends with everyone that you have known your whole life. So it's a very interesting. And
0: and interestingly, those are probably my happiest months.
1: So what is it about that process that you can accomplish that you can't do with money? Look, Alex, it's it's exactly like cigarettes.
0: I, I could never be the guy that you are, which is to just enjoy a nice cigarette every few weeks or a few months, whatever it is. And then not buy a pack and not have a cigarette the next morning and just go on till the next time. I, I was never that person. I was always the person who would have that cigarette and then I'd want another cigarette and then I'd wake up the next morning and smoke a cigarette. And and that's why I haven't touched a cigarette for eleven years. Because I freely admit that I cannot halfway it. It's gotta be all or nothing. So is and that- that's just my nat- and that's just my nature. That's that's how I am in every aspect of my life.
1: So is it's got to be all or nothing. Is that what you call an addict?
0: Well, no, it's not an addict because an addict doesn't have power over their actions, and I have ultimate power over it.
1: So it's like, a, is it like OCD or something? I mean, it's got to be something.
0: Well, you're using negative words like OCD, no, and addiction, I, I want to use positive words like stubbornness and, and stubbornness.
1: Well, I think that you are, I mean, in all seriousness, you talked about how you don't like to be told what to do for you. Money is like you're, let's say you're in a jail cell. Spending money is your way to just like unlock the door and walk out of the cell. And while the guards just like watch you like waltz away into the yard and like out the jail walls and into like a saloon down the street to talk to like the free people, like your, your ability, I mean, first of all, you deserve it. You made all the money so you can do whatever you want with it. The The concern, of course, behind all of this is what if ultimately you're, it's 30 years from now you don't have any because you spent it all. Like, you, you, the fact of the matter is you're earning all this money so it's an opportunity if you can keep your saving rate up to save a significant amount and then not, not work at all. Um, but, Well,
0: exactly. That's, that, and that's a funny part that I've, I've earned a lot of money. I've, I've earned, you know, more, more money than, than most people in our circle, except probably Gabe, but I've also spent more money than, than just about everyone I know.
1: Like, have and you so it's earned, amazing. have you earned over a million dollars? In my life? Yeah.
0: Wow. That's a great question. I want to say yes, but I, I mean, this is tough. I mean, I look, my first time, full-time job, I was painting houses when I was in, you know, sixth summer of sixth grade. I mean, I've been. I've been earning for a long time. I don't know if I've hit the seven figure mark to be perfectly honest, but i i wouldn't I wouldn't say that I'm like light years away
1: and like if you had grown up in the Bronx and like hadn't if you if you were like Bernie Madoff, you'd have like at least five hundred K stashed away, even if you're approaching a million
0: Well, more because I would have stolen other people's money and I'd have that true. Uh, But look, here's, I mean, here's, look, just to get really stereotypical, um, people associate stinginess with the Jewish faith. Is that, is that true?
1: Yeah. I mean, not while you're around, but yeah.
0: Yeah. Or in some people's case, when I'm standing next to them. (laughs) Yeah. Like
1: Tim, for example. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yep. We're with you so far.
0: Right. So it's, it's. It's, it's, it's just it's just part of it. And for me, the really frustrating thing is that I see this stereotype, and I'm not saying that it's a truth or anything, but it's a stereotype that I want to be part of. Sign me up. Get the contract ready. <laughs> I want to be a really stingy person. I want to be the person who doesn't get to bill at dinner when there's six other people there. I want to be the person who says, well, I had to it." And you had to duck. And so I'm going to put in $2 less to my portion of the bill because of that discrepancy. I want to be that guy. But I'm I'm the guy who says, let me get the check and let's make sure that we have an extra bottle of champagne for the road.
1: Okay, so in what see, I've never, I've never once gone to dinner. You've never even treated me to a dinner, and except for the sushi, that's
0: such bullshit. I, I took you out to that fucking sushi dinner I was, month I ago. didn't
1: even finish. That's what I was going to say, but Tim, but, <laughs> but you could say that Tim, Tim bullied you into that. But so you're what? Look, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to uh, disregard what you're saying. I'm merely saying that. Um, this is a new chapter in your life. Once you moved away from me, once I moved away from you and you moved out west and et cetera, et cetera, whatever, you found your riches. I think we could probably connect your success directly to you not living with me anymore. So, Oh, absolutely. So you've made some money and you've done well. I think – can you describe these scenarios where you're doing that? Because I know you go out to dinner with Tim and you guys like to spend a lot. But is it mostly dates where you're paying so much? Do you have group? Okay
0: dates 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 are a big part of it and I, I recently I recently decided that for, for dating I should only pay the bill if I wanted to see the girl again. But nonetheless that left out number one the fact that, that was something I don't always stick to and often I just pick it up. And number two, it doesn't reflect the pretty important point that I don't know if the girl wants to see me again. As in, it turns out a lot of the time they don't. And so all these girls that I'm paying for thinking that's great, I can't wait to call them again, they're sitting there thinking I can't wait for them not to call me again. And you pay. And I pay, which I hate. Because the last thing I'd want to do is buy dinner for someone who doesn't want to see me again. And it turns out that, as bizarre as it sounds, there's more than one person in the world who falls into that category. In fact, there's a lot of them.
1: Well, so that's, See that's when you just need to start like going complete freak like and just say right to their face. You got to make the whole thing into like a Judd Apatow skit or something like that, and just say, "Do you want to see me again?" Before you pick the check up.
0: God, I really see. Now we're making progress because I like that idea. Honestly, it's very, now, very, just Jerry Seinfeldish. Are we gonna have dinner right. again? Because if we are, then. Things will go one way, and if we're not, then I'm happy to split this bullet.
1: Okay, yes, it was not Judd Apatow. It's 100% Larry David, Jerry Seinfeld. Thank you for correcting me. I'm sorry to those two for trying to confuse them with Judd Apatow. Judd will forgive you. No, well, fuck Judd. I say I'm Larry David <laughs> all the way. Um,
0: this is good. We're making progress. Okay, so, so, I, so I should just say very respectfully, if we're not going to see each other again, I'm not going to pay for your portion. Well, listen,
1: you are a crazy person. Now, I, th- we're not talking about me because I'm crazy and we could, you know, if we had a crazy contest, I'd probably win. But you need to embrace the fact that you're eccentric. And so my thing is this. It's like, it's like that, you know, and you'll, you'll sort of snoot your nose at this idea because you're so prim and proper. But, like, it's like when you start f- – the, the, you get married when you fart around a girl and she likes it. Pretty much all comes down to that. And so no, that's why I'm single. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like you might go out on a hundred dates. This is like a sales thing. You gotta get ninety-nine no's to get a yes, but it's just a it's a mathematical thing. If you went out a hundred dates and pulled that move where you said that the check comes, you've put it in a hundred percent, you've been yourself the whole time, you've been charming, you said, let's have a good time, whatever. There'll be a little good, there'll be a little bad, it'll happen the way it does that little black weird vinyl check holder is sitting there and you just look right into her eyes and you say, do you want to see me again? Because if you don't, I think we should split the bill. But see, the the, the, girl, hold on, hold on. on. The girl that laughs is the girl that you're going to end up marrying.
0: My God, you're right.
1: And that's, and that's for everyone listening who's single. That's how you get married. Now, we can do a whole nother podcast on how to get divorced. We'd have to call some other people, but to get, you need to be yourself and you need, like if you're going to get married and I don't know if you want to, but if you're going to spend any significant amount of time with anyone, you have to show all sides of yourself. And for you, like there is some weird stingy Jew mixed with like addiction to spending money mixed with like gluttony, and they're gonna. Well,
0: no, there's. I yes, the gluttony and yes, the the money addiction, but there's not the stinginess. I'm I'm missing that essential part of my Jewishness, and I hate it. And I want to find. It.
1: Well, maybe you need to say to a girl, "I'd love to pay for the whole thing, but I'm looking for a woman who will help me save more. So, are you willing to split this with me?"
0: That sounds chintzy. I like the idea of just looking lovingly into her eyes and saying, if you don't want to see me again, I'm not buying you fucking dinner.
1: Yeah, you should can do... I
0: Can I swear on this, by the way?
1: Yeah, what do you think? I've been saying fucking Jew for the last, like, 43 episodes. <laughs> well, Jew's not his swear word. <laughs> well, it depends on who you're talking to. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think I... Because, th- look, Alex,
0: this isn't some theoretical thing. I recently looked at my, my calendar And I realized that I think that since January 1, 2016, which is our current calendar year, the year of this snake or whatever it is, but I think that I've been on probably 50 days. And if you add up that number of expensive, overpriced San Francisco wine shops and restaurants and the one- or two-star Michelin places I like to frequent and all of that, you end up with, like, a lot of money being spent on dating. We're not going and getting burritos. We're not, you know, we're not buying a bottle of Mad Dog and, like, walking on the beach together.
1: <laughs> Maybe you should. Well, what do you think your average check is?
0: Oh, my God. who know? It, it's... it's Who knows?
1: Because sometimes it's only 56 bucks. Because occasionally you do go out for a margarita and, like, a high-end burrito, I bet.
0: Uh, yeah, but it turns out to be, like... Three margaritas each, and then like some sort of fancy, overpriced, fake Mexican beer with the dinner, and several platters, which always cost more than the burrito does, and then suddenly you're out the door 150. All
1: right. Well, usually with data, there's obviously going to be some outliers at the very end and the tails of the bell curve, but like for the most part, everything's going to be within the you know the uh, the quadrant. I'll put it.
0: I'll put it this way. Just just in the past seven days. My entertainment budget is certainly in the healthy four figures, and the, and by the way, that's not counting entertaining myself with a three-piece suit.
1: <laughs> so, so you think you're over a hundred bucks for an average check?
0: Uh, I'd say uh, that it's it's tough to. I, I think... wouldn't say I wouldn't say average. I wouldn't say average, but but maybe you've forgotten what it's like. Let me remind you: when when you live in the San Francisco Bay Area, and you go and you. Need someone for a date for, for, I mean, for sure you're each having two drinks and sudden, and somehow it turns out often that you think they're having fun even when they're not or vice versa. And then it turns into like an extra drink. And then if there's food involved, that's a total game changer. So what I'm, what I'm saying is this, I'm, I'm never spending, I'd say less than like 40 to 50 tax and tip included. Never. Well, Never. here's not an, it, once.
1: Here's an interesting part of all of this and this is not a dig on you. It's not working. It's not working out for anyone. It's not working for you. I mean, I'm not saying you haven't had some fun, but it's not nobody let's say you're in 10 grand for the last you know, I don't know, whatever. Let's say over the last 6 months you spent 10 grand. Okay. Or let's say 5 if you spend 110 bucks and you went on 50 dates, then you're in five grand right? You're in 5,500 bucks. So let's just say five grand for the sake of it. So five grand, nobody the, the community of San Francisco does not want you spending five grand not getting a girlfriend. The girls don't want it, the guys don't want it, you don't want it. The landlords don't want it. Everyone wants to keep the rent high and they want you to make sure that you have enough money to, to spend it to pay for it so they want me spending money so like what let's come let's shake it up here let's put some bakos in that salad should you start going on exercise dates do you need to start going to the planetarium should you do i mean i'm sure i've tried
0: tried all of that but it turns out you always spend money or to put it a different way it turns out i always spend money (laughs) like just for example i invited a girl boating the other week and that was that was a great idea for a date. except then you rent a boat and boat prices have gone up, Alex, since the last time you rented a damn boat.
1: The last time I rented a boat was in the Mediterranean Sea with Becca and Alexis and uh, Will Simpkins. And we got it. We got two six-packs of warm Heineken from a, a deli in uh, either Amalfi or Positana. I think it was Positana. And I was 16 or 17. That shit was good. That is good being on a See,
0: if i could have that date i'd date more no. and
1: that cost the whole thing was probably 50 euros split between four people five people
0: and you actually had fun
1: we had fun i mean i was on a i was on a you know pseudo boston whaler off the james bond coast of italy with two 16 year old girls in bikinis i mean you know what's not to like yeah that's that's worth 10 times what you spent on dinner in the last 6 months so easily. Oh, so okay. So I think you need to put yourself, and we're gonna have. I mean, no, maybe we don't have to move on. Maybe we just finish with this. So we all know you've got the stingy Jew in you. In fact, it's really the only person I know. It's it happens to be that I actually couldn't even play at your table the last several years because I don't. I'm too. Af- I'm afraid to go out with you. To be perfectly honest.
0: You're afraid to go out with me? I'm
1: afraid to go out with you and, and Why? I because mean,
0: 'cause I'm not as devil. I'm I'm see, not see not okay. Yeah, but so we have, s- yeah, we, but we, we,
1: have sev- we have several friendships that are you know I have a lot of friendships that I'm I'm close with. There's a group of you know, like Gabe, Tim, Saul, uh me. That's not like a foursome of any retort and I know Noah's is rolling his eyes right now. But anyways, those are some people I hang out with a lot. I'm afraid to go out with Gabe and I'm afraid to go out with you. Gabe's better than you because Gabe knows how to slum it now Tim knows when he's getting in with me if we're going anywhere above $25 a person he's paying and he doesn't give a shit and he's already decided that when he knows I'm coming to visit it's like now I,
0: this is getting interesting you're, you're right so Tim Tim just Tim knows that that's a rule like if, not, if, if like Anna and I
1: go right. visit Tim and Rachel. They, like They don't even have to talk about it on their own, probably. They just do the math in their head, and they take us for a rotisserie chicken, and that's it. And we have a great time.
0: And now, that explains the sushi restaurant, why the Timu is so normal, that obviously me and him would be paying.
1: I mean, Ann and I were having like a, a mental breakdown on the other side of the... You guys were talking about the seven-course thing, and we're like... I, I think we had $16 in our bank account as we sat at that table. So... Wow. Now, Gabe, God bless him, the last time I went, or maybe not the last time, but two times ago, he took us to a pizza place, which was perfect. We got a large pizza, and we ate it on the street on a bench, and we had a great time. We drank a beer while I was cooking. Now, it's like I need a contract when I'm going out to dinner with you where either we're, we're like, here are your three options, <laughs> okay? We can go to yeah. any, any place you want, if and you just know right away you're going to pay for the whole thing. Or we can go – then, then And
0: then you're saying you hand me – and total dictatorial power i can choose exactly where and where when we go yeah exactly
1: and it's like at that point then you will have a better time because i will then all of a sudden turn into like the rich version of myself that hopefully exists 10 years from now
0: where i'm like or in
1: an alternate world exactly so like let's get the seafood tower let's drink as much as possible Let's get drinks and apps here and wait until the 930 reservation at that fancy place with the line. Like, let's do it all. So you,
0: you would basically, in that scenario, just turn into me. And really, obviously, the only thing I've ever wanted is to go out to dinner with me. So it would be perfect.
1: But you, to get back to solving your problem, if it's still the most interesting thing we have on the table here, you need to put yourself in a situation where you're going to scrounge. Like, if you were in some sort of role-playing game on, like, a Saturday for single 30-year-olds where it's, like, you have 10 seashells and you have to, like, barter your way to the end of the day and have fun with it. I'm sure that something exists out there for all the tech people who, you know, are not in Napa that day or whatever. You would be great at, like, going back and forth and how are we going to do this and, wait, if we do this, then we can do that, and if we trade the shells for the... Conk, then we all have a conk, and then we can get a keg of beer or whatever it ends up being, right? You love that stuff. I love that. You end up going into every scenario with an unlimited amount of money you can spend, like renting the boat. Like, what if you couldn't have? You need to put yourself in a situation where you have to get creative. You're never forced to get creative with this stuff because you can just pay for it. So it's like, yeah, you're right. why, Why not try to go on a date where you can't spend any money? Like, you pick the girl up on a bike. And you've got 40 bucks in your pocket and your cell phone, and that's it. And it's like you go get a bunch of cold beers, and, like, I'm trying to think of something fun. Like, I don't know. Maybe you go to Dolores Park and just sit there and, like, get a coconut from one of the vendors.
0: And do baby bird shots with the gaze. Oh, God. Uh, no, listen, you're onto something, because this scene actually occurred um... – in the iconic movie Half-Baked, where Dave Chappelle is taking out Mary Jane, and I'm using Chappelle's real name and Jane, Mary Jane's movie name because I don't know who played her. And they're in New York, and he's taking her out, and either is broke or loses his wallet, and he only has a finite amount of money. I think it's about 15, 20 bucks. And he walks around the city, and it's going cha-ching, cha-ching every time he buys a hot dog or like a soda or something like that. But that's his date, and it works out very well, actually. He ends up quitting weed to marry Mary Jane.
1: And listen, you're in a place where everyone has money. Like, you can't be on the internet in in the San Francisco Bay Area without having a fuckload of money. So, unless you're going to go like big and like have a house in Tiburon for the weekend or rent a houseboat in Sausalito, you're. Well, really... if I could
0: stop spending, if I could stop spending all this other money, I'd have a house in Tiburon.
1: That's true. But you also don't really like, you don't want a woman who's, or a partner or anything. I mean, it has nothing to do with like a money-grubbing woman. It's more like you, the money, the money, it's never going to be about the money between you and whoever you're with. No. You just want to have. I I
0: just, I just want to be with someone who never says no to me. But at the same time, and I don't mean that in a sketchy way. I mean that in terms of my. My, my deepest desires when it comes to, to spending. But at the same time, I need to be with that person who says no sometimes.
1: Yeah, but it would be so much better if you can teach yourself to lose the weight. That's the thing. It's like, I was
0: going to say if I could find a millionaire to marry.
1: Because then I could be spending her money and she could be saying yes. But it's not about the money. None of it is about the money. I think I think you spend the money to to lube up the situation. You want it to just be like, like it's not like let's get the girl drunk. It's like let's just let's not worry about this and then let's see. Oh yeah, no
0: one's no one's trying to get anyone drunk except sometimes me trying to get me drunk. But But you're trying to get
1: to. You're just trying to like loosen. This isn't about anything other than like let's have a good time. You're trying to set the table to have a good time.
0: Right, and, and in my mind, having a good time means ordering anything on the menu. Right. So now, that, here's a, now, getting back to your conditions, what are the other two ways that you'll have dinner with me without feeling trepidation?
1: Well, here's the thing. I just never would trust that you'd actually want to go get, like, a burrito at a at a hole in the wall with two beers for dinner like i don't think you'll ever be satisfied with that but that's what i
0: would i have i haven't
1: abandoned my roots to that All Again, right. I, I love
0: beer and i love burritos
1: so option one is i choose and you you don't like now I'm not, i'm gonna try not to like cross you with gabe here but like you don't worry about whether or not it has well no you don't do that like what's the situation that we would get into there i don't know if there would be one basically well
0: the thing is Gabe, I, Gabe's different cuz Gabe, Gabe Gabe Gabe's thing is he loves control he loves control over the setting over over the menu he he likes having control well he For also me, I don't i don't need i don't do you agree with that
1: no i think he has he invented fear of missing out he literally, he, nobody knew what FOMO was until Gabe was born. He has, f- okay, f- that's, that's he strange. has food FOMO. He has foo FOMO, fo FOMO. So it's like, if you're in, you could be at the best restaurant in the world, but is it possible that another restaurant is currently getting written up by in a blog by, and is the better one? And so it's like. If you go to this Mexican joint with him and he hasn't gotten a cho- he hasn't got the opportunity to search the internet for all the Mexican joints. There could be a possibility that whatever we get isn't that good, and and he just likes to get the. He doesn't want to waste two hours of his life eating bad food. I mean, I have to respect it. I oh,
0: I compl- okay, that's that's a good point, and and he doesn't want to order something on the menu and have even a one percent doubt that it wasn't the best possible thing to have gotten.
1: Right. So then it's like the whole like, now I find entertainment in getting something bad or going to a bad restaurant and then getting an hour and 45 minutes of conversation out of it. Yeah. So anyways, the three options are that we go someplace I choose and you just like gleefully come along. And I feel like that option happens if I somehow got you stoned or drunk or something so that you just are like a baby on a leash and I can lead you there. Um right. Option 2 is that we're both knowing and under
0: those and under option 1 we're splitting the check. You you choose something you feel comfortable with. Yeah, or all and... bu-
1: I mean in that scenario if I've had a good week selling dogs or whatever it is I do, then uh I might even buy for you cuz I know that the Well, we,
0: we don't need to get that crazy. All right, so anyway.
1: The second one is you we're going to split the check again, but we're going to go someplace middle of the road. Like we're talking we're going to a pub to get a really amazing cheeseburger, um, incredible beer on tap. It's going to end up being, you know, maybe they have like some pasta vongole there or something like that.
0: But have we ever agreed on this please?
1: What do you have going on over there? Are you making another drink? Yeah. All right, well, just finish that off because it's ruining the audio. I'm not mad.
0: All right, well, let's keep talking and there will be a... second
1: place where i have to shake it but that's not coming up um so yeah we all right so and then the last one but then at least you then but we've established see it's not even it's not about the money or the food it's about knowing that the exp it's all about expectations if you come in and you're like let's go to dinner i immediately freeze and i'm like okay am i do i need to like quickly go take out a new credit card online and somehow figure out if i can print out the Approval and then just show them that number when I get there because the plastic won't get here fast enough. Or, wait, you
0: wait. So, this is see, this is to me the best kind of podcast because we ignore everyone who's listening to us and focus on our own problems, fears, and anxieties. And we're learning something about our friendship. This is fascinating. So, I make you nervous with my dinner
1: eating habits. Uh, you make me nervous with your ability to spend. I see, yep, Yeah. It's like, let's say we're getting invited to a wedding where there's going to be free food. I Nothing is nervous there. I'll stand next to you at the buffet. I'll have you talk to, I'll have you complain to the waitress about what salad dressings are on the table. I'll go stand with you at the oyster bar for 48 hours. I'll do it all. I love eating with you. I love eating with all of our friends. It becomes, yep. I just want everyone to know that I'm like, I want to establish what's happening before the meal, you know, can I pay a third and that's good enough? Am I paying for everything I order? Because if I am, then I'm going to order less than you. And I don't want to have to get bullied into how everyone else is ordering all this other stuff. You you want the contract
0: set before you take the job. <laughs> if
1: it's going to be an expensive one, Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, to use, continue the analogy, the job is going to be very high-paying, which means it'll mean that you have to pay a lot for it.
1: Now, okay. now I mean, at least, I don't want to fast-forward to a conclusion here, but I will say this. The thing that solves all of this is me actually making money.
0: Well, or the thing that solves all of it is if I just stopped dating and took you out to dinner where I'd have more fun and we could order whatever we wanted, and we could get the three appetizers and like the, the six dessert wines that I want.
1: Yeah, th- that doesn't make me completely happy because that's not how I eat. But yeah, we could get into that. I could get into that once every six months.
0: Well, okay, in Scotland. <laughs> so I don't know. So what, are, so what are the takeaways from this conversation? If someone didn't want to listen to the entire last 45 minutes and wanted five bullet points on their desk by monday morning what would they be
1: okay for me here are some and then you can chime in with yours but you can't all that i you got to just finish with martini it's just ruining the sound it's okay i was
0: purposely shaking it down at waist level because i didn't think you'd. it it. all
1: gets picked up app steve jobs has got all this it's all on there should I rephrase my original question? No, the question was great. It. Just pour the fucking martini and then I'll answer.
0: It's done. I'm, I'm drinking the martini. I'm not shaking
1: it. Okay. So my take- my first major takeaway is you need to figure out how you're going to save money because the entire premise is that you don't like being told what to do. So I could come up with 50 ways you could save money. The cash thing, you could put money in jars. We could have a... A app that you know told you how much you have left for the week. What is it that's going to make you change your behavior? That's your quest. It's not about saving the money. It's about convincing. It's you need to create a system for yourself. And so you're
0: saying I should hire a financial planner and put him on salary so he can tell me no.
1: <laughs> well, that's going to cost you money. No, I mean,
0: I'll write that. Money I think
1: you me. really have to like go within yourself and do some work. How are you, you could spend less money starting tomorrow. The question is, why don't you?
0: Okay, well, I think that basically it's because I'm attempting to buy happiness that I otherwise would lack.
1: Okay, well, then we need to figure out what other ways to get that happiness, and I think they're there, you just haven't tried them in a while, or you just haven't ever done them.
0: Well, I mean, if I could make a three-piece suit, then presumably I'd be more or less as happy as I get when buying one, I think. not
1: I think the clothing, though. Well, okay, so that's that's one takeaway. Takeaway two. So maybe
0: okay. So okay. Maybe maybe we just decide that I'm allowed to buy X number of suits per year, or spend X money X amounts of money on them per year, or at least quarterly, and I have to stick to that.
1: Yeah, but what what's forget about the plan? How are you sticking to it? Where's your discipline? How are you becoming disciplined?
0: Well, I, I got to just find that discipline somewhere deep within me. It's, it's been buried. I mean, there's an avalanche at some point and all the discipline has been covered by tons and tons and tons of non-discipline, but presumably it's somewhere.
1: Well, it's, it's almost June 15th. What if I told you you could save $50,000 into an account between now and the end of the year? What would you do with it?
0: It's like, funny because that's exactly what my accountant told me I had to do in a step IRA.
1: So there you go. Like, what is it that you? So you're just gonna? That's see. That's the problem. Is it's all boring. That's why people buy real estate because it's like something they can go visit and like go paint. It's like you can't go paint your IRA. So I should buy. So I should buy real estate. <laughs> no, year. I don't know. I mean, I would wait until the market crashes before I bought any real estate. But yeah, it's true. I I I think that that's yeah you gotta fa- I mean I think that there's no incentive to saving because you can't you have to you have to square up with the fact that you are gonna become older you aren't always gonna be able to make money at the same rate as you're making it you are gonna want a savings you are gonna want to retire you and that like you are gonna die and so if you just keep spending well the
0: last argument is is one for spending. Well, there you, a relative of mine once said, no one takes money into the grave.
1: Yeah, well, but I mean the problem that if my mom were on this podcast, she'd say it gets really expensive to get old. Right, and, and, and our
0: tendency when we're younger is just to imagine that we'll never get old.
1: And like, you know, with all the medical crap they're inventing, um, we're going to live forever and it's going to suck.
0: Or in my position, be great. But obviously <laughs> we disagree on living forever.
1: Um okay, so that's one takeaway, but we gotta let's let's so we gotta we have to finish this bit in the next ten minutes, okay, and then that's it okay, that'll got, be the pod. This is like takeaways. this might be our best podcast ever, so I'm not like talking shit. I'm just saying you've said we gotta be strict about moving on, so we have got ten more minutes, and that's it,
0: but I also said we have to recognize when we struck gold
1: <laughs> all right, so so that the the takeaways for me, you have to figure out a way to save that I Really am uncomfortable going to dinner with my friends because we're not all on the same financial page. And I'd much rather cook at home, something that's just coming out right this second. That's why I prefer to always cook at home because the food tastes better. It's more fun. And I don't end up having like a huge sweating anxiety attack about how much of the bill I'm going to have to pay for. Yeah. Yeah and that i don't know maybe i should just start being very uh, upfront about how much i can pay ahead of time and then i think a lot of the takeaways are about the dating thing i think we cannot lose sight of the, yeah, you're right. the of oh how you're going to start you need to start i mean do you want to be do you want a girlfriend
0: i'll i'll put it this way i'm i'm not unhappy but i also fearfully tremble when i think about the prospect of dying old and alone. Yeah. That's the most honest I can get, Alex. Well, do so, you, do you the want... Point, the point is, it's not, it's not that I want... It's not that I want a girlfriend tomorrow versus, like, next year. It's that I want one who will be the right girlfriend. And then perhaps one day, if I can get over my aversion to the diamond industry, maybe more than
1: a girlfriend. What do you think would happen if you stopped going on dates and then had to, like, channel that... Enthusiasm into other places, like the girls who work at the shops where you're returning the clothes, or like the girls who make you coffee at the, at the espresso shop. Oh or-
0: I hate to say it, but being, being happily married you've got to understand that the world has changed significantly, and you'll actually enjoy hearing this part because it's your old bugaboo technology that has done it. It turns out that girls these days they don't really they, it, it almost makes them uneasy. it's kind of like you getting a check at a restaurant. If you if you flirt with them or ask them out in, pu- in public, that for them, they're so conditioned to all of that coming through text message and online and on these apps that it's almost this weird thing. Like, what are you doing talking to me in person in real life? I got to tell you, Alex, this is a very different time.
1: Well... You you're a needle in a haystack, and I think you need to be looking for another one. So maybe the one girl who doesn't think it's weird. You're but t- it's a
0: big fucking haystack.
1: Well, believe me,
0: it's a huge haystack.
1: Well, it's nice to have sex, so you should keep you know shooting for that.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, I could take a page from Max's book and spend more. Open an adult trend finder account
1: uh I don't know. I don't know, man. I think, I think. Look, I obviously you know this. There's no pressure from anyone in your life to have a girlfriend, so I didn't ask. Well,
0: no, there there is. It was explained to me by a psychologist as what's called the social clock, which is a it's a ticking that we all feel. You feel it for you not being wealthy or at least able to support yourself. I feel it for being single. Um, someone else feels it for whatever problem they have, not having a kid or not buying a house. But it's a very real syndrome. and It has a name and it's called the social clock. So put that in your pipe and smoke it.
1: Yeah. It just I, I've always thought since failing with women from high school on that when you try, it's like magnets. It's like if you, were, it's like if you had a general store in the middle of the Old West and you're, and, you're st- and you're standing out there trying to smell, sell snake oil. And everyone who rides by on their horse is very put off by your salesy personality. And then, you know, you try that f- for days and days. And by Friday or the end of the week, you're so exhausted, you fall asleep in your little rocking chair with your cowboy hat tipped over your brow. And you're sort of defeated. And then finally someone just stops sees that you're a happy, content person s- sitting in the shade with a bottle of something interesting in your hand and you've chosen that little plot of land to live your life and do your thing and they tie their horse up at your horse post or whatever the hell it's called and they tap you on the shoulder and ask you what you're selling, you know? It's like if you're putting out a lot of vibes to get a girlfriend. So, I don't know, maybe play the long game. Play play the... No- don't go on dates and see what happens.
0: Well, I've, I've tried that too. Uh, turns out it doesn't work.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, look, I'll tell you, you something tell me, else. I, what's the? You tell me what the solution is.
0: Uh, well, obviously, to move to Europe. Look, I'll tell you. The other thing is that when you when you when you date in your twenties, you're you're thinking very short term, and maybe girls are different because they're different, but. As a guy, when you date in your 20s, you have a full head of hair. You have your whole life in front of you. Your current life sucks, and you hate it, and it makes you miserable. But you, the trade-off is that you're thinking about how awesome your future is going to be, and you still believe that it will be an awesome future. And so that's your mentality. And so you're willing to take whatever is fun that comes along. If it's a one-night stand that's fun, you'll take that. If it's a girl you like, you want to see her again, you do it. You're not overthinking. You're not thinking about what is life going to be like 10 years from now when we've each gained like 12 pounds and we're sitting watching DVR recordings of reality television at 7 p.m. on a Tuesday. You're not thinking about any of that. You're just thinking, is this fun? I'm going to do it. It makes me happy. But then now there's this powerful, powerful gnawing emotion when you go on dates that you're really thinking, I can't really make the wrong decisions here. I can't afford to lose let's say, a year or two years in a bad relationship or one that doesn't work out. I'm not saying bad where it's abusive and she's slapping me for, you know, having my fourth martini of the night. I'm saying that you can't afford to suddenly wake up and it's two years later, and then there's X percentage of other girls who've gotten married who you might have wanted to marry, and X percentage of hair follicles that have rotted away in your scalp, and it's that much harder to do everything else.
1: Well, you've really boxed yourself in there. I don't know. The
0: point is that there's an awareness that you, you have to get it right, or at least that you cannot afford to get it wrong. Yeah, but, you it's know... It's the same thing when contemplating marriage in your 20s. You don't think about shit like assets, because, of course, you don't have any assets.
1: Why, now don't, you, like why don't you just try to get someone who you can get laid by 10 times in a row? Because that should be... A, I mean, that's the goal. To start... Well,
0: I've done that. I'm not, I'm not living a life of celibacy, Alex. You're, you're equating me with other people. All right, people but yeah, but it's... I'm but, like, having, like...
1: Names. But, like, pressing the flesh a couple times here and there after that third margarita versus, like, getting over the, like, excitement and then going to the awkward and then going back to, like, the exploratory. I mean, that's... I've, I've
0: had those experiences. All right, okay. As, as recently as, you know, the last, like, ten years.
1: <laughs> Look... There's a podcast listener who I know is listening right now, and his mother, who's an ob or some sort some sort of thing, or a midwife, she was the one who gave me the great advice, I think, when I was around 23, that you need to go out with a girl at least three times, or a person at least three times. Give them a chance three times before you decide whether or not you like them.
0: Well, tell that to the girls who don't go out with me more than once, after I buy them dinner.
1: Yeah, well, fuck that. Fuck those girls. But why don't you not say... That maybe that's the new rule. You have to, if you want to go out with if if the girl wants to go out with you, you have to go out with her three more times or two more times.
0: I've actually the funny thing is I've done that and I realized that um, there've been a few cases where time 1 is pretty fun, time 2 is like pretty decent, and time 3 I'm just like this isn't doing it for me and then there's no time for it.
1: But that's good. Then you don't like then it's over. You don't care. It's out.
0: What I should really do is, before I go on any date, I should just tell the girl that if we want to go out again and we meeting me, then you have to see me at least two more times because you're going to get facets of my character and my charm and my wonderful personality that you might not pick up on the first time around because I'm stuffing my face with Serrano
1: ham. I think if you said that to a girl, she would 100% go out with you again. I'm not being facetious.
0: Or she wouldn't, and then I'd know I didn't want to date her.
1: Yeah, and I mean, at that point, if you're acting like that, you should go to the bar next door and have another drink because you're definitely going to get laid that night.
0: Definitely. Oh. Who can turn down Serrano ham?
1: <laughs> All right, well, on that note, do we have any uh, closing bits?
0: Look, I, I just I laid my life out for the entire Internet world, so I, I don't know what more I can say in terms of my own existence. Except that I've now made my second martini. I still haven't packed, and I'm supposed to drive to the East Coast tomorrow.
1: Uh, quick tip from me for all you folks out there who are into food: it's time to make your rhubarb compote for the shortcake at Fourth of July. Now, do not mm, delicious. Do not get stuck with a bunch of pesticide-ridden strawberries from Oxnard, California, served to you in a plastic bin from the local supermarket um with sponge cake and uh oversized blueberries that's very passe red white and blue is less american than um local sustainable farm fresh food that's the most american thing there is so um that's gonna be the theme of my first blog post how traditional food has been overridden by bullshit but anyways um we're only a couple of weeks away from the Independence Day, so you're invited to our party if you want. There's a party? There's a party, at, there's a party in New Jersey at a historic farm, if, you, if you're so inclined. The rhubarb compote will be there. Um, what else can we tell our people? Oh, Ho- I have
0: one last question. Did Quill really call me shy?
1: She did, yeah. She did? Yeah.
0: Shy as in, like, my habits or my, my, my voice? Was I meek?
1: She didn't say meek. No. Shy. She said shy. I mean, maybe you need to come and bring your Serrano ham and show her that you're not.
0: And she thought Max and I were lovers.
1: She did, yeah. At first, yeah.
0: Was it because we were bickering or because we showed up in the same car or because I yelled at him when he spilled beer on my seat or because he wanted to sleep in my tent and I wouldn't let him?
1: (laughs) I think all of them. I think they were all... I I don't know. You're going to have to ask her. Maybe I should get her on the podcast.
0: Look, if you run into Quill again, tell her I'm I'm many, many things, but Shy certainly isn't one of them.
1: Well, I'll send her the podcast and she can hear it right from you. Maybe she'll invite you to the party because I actually don't know if you're invited yet. Also, folks... Straight
0: from the camel's mouth, as it were.
1: Folks, if you are listening and you're one of the thousands of people listening right now... Please call the landline, 617-744-1895, and leave a message. Tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like, tell us how we should stop, tell us how you're going to fund our expansion. Get your And they vo- ask
0: us if we should change our name to the Saul versus Alex.
1: <laughs> so Saul, any uh, plugs for the week? Do you have enough gas in that car? Any fears? You got the satellite radio charged up?
0: As far as gas goes, I have about 60 miles in the tank, and absolutely that is a metaphor. The tank is on dry. Uh, I'm going to be driving all week. I'm going to try, as a goal, to get to at least three or four states that I haven't been to yet. I'm going to try to stay in at least three or four expensive hotels. I'm going to try to eat at least three three or four great expensive steakhouses somewhere between here and New Hampshire, And I don't know for other goals I mean basically uh, you know get get east and have the next podcast be sitting in a studio with my friend Alex holding microphones together and maybe tall boys.
1: Yeah. Maybe not the next one but an upcoming episode for sure.
0: Let's let's aim
1: for August. No I mean me and you will podcast again but maybe not. I, I think the phone is a nice buffer for me for right now. Um just kidding. Thanks now, if
0: you want me to share my disillusionment about our wine company, I can do it now or on the next podcast. Yeah,
1: let's save it for the next podcast because I've got my d- disillusionment about grocery stores, and that's definitely a 45-minute piece.
0: <laughs> All right, well, I promise that mine is just strong as
1: Thanks for listening, folks. Be good. Talk to you next time on Landline Podcast. Adios.
0: Happy Father's Day, my <laughs> Come Goodbye.